All right, let's just have a word of prayer, and then I'm going to get into the word. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your grace. Your grace and your mercy, Lord, is abundant. Lord, we just receive that grace right now, your ability, Lord, to be able to be in this place today to operate and move in the Spirit of God. And I thank you, Lord, for anointing the ears of the hearers, Lord, to be able to receive and understand and have insight into the revelation of God. In Jesus' name we pray. So we talked a little bit about a while ago about being instant, in season and out of season, and I, I will cover just a little bit. It's not really my message, but I do want to kind of go over something in that. I think it'll help us a little bit. And it, We're going to be in 2 Timothy. We're going to be in chapter 4, and we're going to be in verse 2. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 2. So a lot of people kind of wonder, and, it's, and it is something that you, I'm just thinking you've got to work yourself through it a little bit. Um, so how do you deal with the, the phone call? You know, I'll call it the phone call. How do you deal with the phone call that's late at night, early in the morning, something's happened, life did not take the same route that you had planned? And in this case, it was the phone call that let me know I'm on, I'm on point, okay? It could have been any, anybody um, that could have got that phone call, but I just got that phone call. And uh, there was a point in time in which that phone call was not the most welcome sight for me, okay? Um, but over the years of understanding some things, I began to realize it didn't surprise God, you know? Things that happen in our lives are not surprises to God. So if it didn't surprise God, but it did me, which one should I trust in? I should trust in the one that it didn't surprise. Now, is that hard? It is to start with. It is. It's like trying to believe God for your light bill, and you're the man standing out there fixing the slow switch, and, and you know maybe you've never been there before, but there's a lot of people that are in that spot, and they're trying to believe God for something that they have a reality right in front of them that tells them something different. So this principle is not necessarily just to preachers. It is also for anything. Um, the thing that I've had to realize is that whatever situation or circumstances I find myself in, I have to believe beyond that circumstances and believe that I have been made for the place that I now walk in, regardless of whether I knew that place was there or not. It's kind of like going down through the through the highway. How many of you ever been going through the highway and all of a sudden you hit a pothole? You know that pothole was there the whole time? You just happened to hit it. And if you don't believe these potholes, in America there's not many potholes, but in you know, other countries there's a lot of difference in a pothole. I think there's barrels or something that's been digging in there or something, you know. Um, and there's something to be learned when you're in traffic in another country and you're sitting there watching traffic, and all of a sudden you you got this straight line ahead of you, and you see these people doing this right here. You know, you kind of probably need to take take inventory of why is this right here happening, and not drive straight through. And in our lives, sometimes you watch people go through things, but you never really, really pay attention to what they're going through, because until it comes to you, it doesn't seem to be as valuable until you walk into the process of being in that spot. And 
as Chris was talking about, um, I had called him on that day and felt the Lord was really dealing with me. In the past decade, um, I was just counting up the other day, I think there's been at least between, I can't remember exactly, there's either five or six family members that I was um, in, involved in making some decisions of some, of some level. There was at least three of those people that I stood in the same position he was in where you're making those decisions, life and death decisions. Um, it's, just, it's just been that way. It was just the last decade, the last 10 years has been where I've lost um, my mom, I've lost my grandmother, I've lost, and I'm just kind of let you know, just, you know, I've lost my daughter, I've lost my real dad, my adopted dad is in a bad spot right now, but we're believing that God's going to bring him to a good place. So it's just been one thing after the other. But what I found out through all of this right here is, is that while I did not know all those things, he did. And when you land in those spots that are very uncomfortable and they're not emotionally good, there's a scripture that can apply to that situation. And it's this particular scripture is applying to preachers. And it's in 2 Timothy 4, chapter 4 and verse 2. He was telling, Paul was telling Timothy, he said, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching. Preach the word, be be, be, be ready and instant, be, I think the King James says be instant in season and out of season. Another word there is be ready in season and out, and, and out of season. Well, that was a borrowed term from a military setting. Okay? So that was a borrowed term from a military setting. And in that military setting, it was basically the good interpretive of way of looking at this scripture is stand your post. Be at your post. Now think about military people for a moment and you might get a little better idea of what he's talking about here. A military person is put through boot camp. They're put through boot camp. Boot camp is never comfortable, is it? Some of you got people that went through boot camp. I know Donna and Greg have, and then there's other people over here that have had, you know, your sons and daughters have went through boot camp. Boot camp is never comfortable. I've never heard a person come back from boot camp saying, oh, my God, I'd love to do that again. <laughs> Anybody? Never heard nobody do that. Boot camp is necessary. Because what it did was it, it introduced them to the uncomfortable spot of life in a physical way. And what they found was they had... They thought they had limitations, and someone else pulled the limitations off and says, you can go through this limitation, you can walk in this place, and even though you don't know where you're at emotionally, you don't know where you're at physically sometimes, you don't know what's going to happen next, it does not mean that you are not equipped for the moment. And in life, we sometimes end up in that place where we do not know what we're getting ourselves into. I mean, I'll just use a, a very, very practical example. About a month ago, I was in, a, in the midst of taxes, tax season, and a couple of days went by, and I had a little pain in my tooth up here. And look, I'm 57 years old. I don't mind telling you. I haven't had a tooth pulled in over 40 years, okay? I just simply believe you need to take care of your teeth. That's just the way I am. I'm very adamant about that. 
And I've never had a problem. Never had a situation come up with my teeth because I'm just like the guy that walks in on Sunday morning in a religious setting. And he just says, I'm here for church. I walk into the dentist office the same way. That's just what I do. Because I figure it like this right here. After your baby teeth, you only get one set. The other sets that they give you are not quite the same. I mean, it's okay if you got them. I mean, so about a month and a half ago, I get this pain. And I just, I just, I was like, man, I ain't got time to go to the doctor. I ain't got time to go to the dentist. But I got to take something. And I went on a day or so. And it just didn't stop. And so I just said, you know what? I got to go get this checked out. I walked into the dentist office and told him, I said, I need to see somebody. I mean, and it was a day where they were getting out of there at a certain time because they had a thing going on. I walked up in there. And that dude examined me, did a little x-ray. And he told me the statement that I have not heard in over 40-some years. He said, you're going to need to leave this one with me. I was not equipped or ready for that statement. And he commenced to pulling my tooth. And I was just sitting there just totally taken away with it. I was like, what? What in the world happened? I didn't have a problem three days ago. Just two days ago. And now you're telling me I've got a problem that's going to cause me to be in a situation where now my tooth is going to be removed. That was a big deal to me. If you've had a few pulled, you Probably not a big deal to you. But for me, after 40 years, I was like, Doc, I was like, what did I do wrong? He said, it just happens. And it had got an abscess up under there, and I didn't know it. And when it told me it was there, it let me know there were some problems. And he told me, he said, when I sat in the chair, he told me, he said, you can, uh, you can go and get a second opinion. That's okay. I said, uh-uh, I've been coming here for 25 years. No, your opinion's fine with me. I'm good. And so he started to get that thing out and then scheduled another appointment to put another one back in. Okay? And that is a, you know, I was just like looking at that whole scenario within six weeks or so. I lost a tooth and then a man went and put another one back in called a bridge. He connects between one tooth and the other tooth and places one in the middle. And we call that the best that you can do if you can't get an implant. And depending on where your tooth is at. Now, I'm, you may say, why in the world are you sharing all this to me? Well, a month ago, I didn't know that I was going to be in this spot. Yesterday afternoon, yesterday morning, I was at the dentist office. And between doing some stuff that they needed to put Novocaine in my mouth, and they shot me up pretty good. So when I find, when after I, about three hours in the chair of them doing all the work and them shooting me six, seven, eight times, you know, what did I feel like when I got home? I hit the recliner, dude. Just going to tell you. Uh, I didn't know that was going to do me that way. Then, as I went through the day and began to feel a little bit better, I got a phone call. None of that was planned is my point. None of it was planned. But sometimes what we seem to do in life is... You know, how many of you ever had an inspirational moment? I mean, it's just like God just moved in in a moment's time. You had one of those, those feel-good, Holy Ghost presence moments. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Am I the only one that's ever had one? Wouldn't you like to hear from God every single time like that? Man, would that not be good? I, I mean, I almost set that as the criteria for God speaking to me. I'm like, God, you can do that again. I'm okay. I like that. But you know what? 
It ain't always that way. Excuse my French, my English. I didn't graduate on English major, just so you know. I graduated with a Southern major, and it's ain't from where I come from. It just, it just isn't going to work that way. And yesterday when I got that phone call, you know, the first thing I told David, I said, David, it's good. It's handled. Don't worry about it. You're, you're, everything's good. And the reason why I did that, I didn't have a clue as to what I was going to speak on. No clue. I didn't have five goosebumps and a vision. I would love to have had that. It just didn't work that way. But I knew when I got that phone call, there was a need. And I had to take a step back. And in years gone by, I probably would have turned that phone call down and said, can you find somebody else, brother? But in the days that I'm living in now, I'm like, it's okay. And the reason why is because I didn't put my trust in the one that didn't know it was coming. I put my trust in the one that knew what was going to take place. And when I stepped over into that place, I just said, okay, God, I may not know what you're doing, and that's okay. It's like boot camp. I remember my dad telling me when he was in boot camp, and it's changed a lot since then. But in his day, they taught you how to swim. And how they taught you how to swim was they dropped you in the middle of the night in the ocean, and they had divers down there so you wouldn't drown. Um, supposedly was not supposed to drown. But you were going to learn how to swim. They gave you a few lessons, and then it was time to go out and put it to put it to reality. And they dropped them in the middle of the ocean, sea waves and everything, in the nighttime with no lights. And they got guys down there with infrared stuff on. They're keeping their eyes on you. And what they've taught you in the pool, they're now going to put it in reaction, in reality. And sometimes our life is like that. Does that make sense? So sometimes when you don't know what's going on, it doesn't mean you can't walk through it. It doesn't mean that you cannot stay in the game. It doesn't mean that you cannot shoulder the responsibility and move through it. It doesn't mean that at all. The first time I was sitting in a, in a room talking with a doctor about someone else's life that I held in my hand, and whatever decision I made would be the decision that would go, that they would go with, that was a very scary moment because there was nobody else there to make the decision. I couldn't pick up the phone and call. I couldn't talk to the person that was laying there. They had already given that to me, and they trusted where I was in my head, in my game, in my head, to be able to make that decision. And I'm going to just say to you, if you've never been there, then, then you, you can make it through that. You can. Because God give you what it takes to walk in those places. They're not comfortable places. But the scripture says, he told, he told Timothy, you see, the background of this right here, and this is not actually anything that I put together this morning, okay? I got something else that I'm, I may get to or may not get to. just depends on time. But I feel like I need to cover this area because, because Timothy, if you got to understand the first Timothy and second Timothy, the books, the first Timothy book was written to a young pastor named Timothy, and everything was going great. He was the new pastor in town. The church was growing, and everything was moving forward. And that first Timothy was written. By the time the second Timothy had been written, a lot had changed. Politically, Nero, if I got the pronunciation, N-E-R-O, 
had become the Roman emperor, and he was a lunatic. And by the time this book was written, 2 Timothy, he was already persecuting Christians in a very real way. People were dying in the church. So the environment was changed. So when Paul spoke to 2 Timothy in 2 Timothy, he was preaching to a young man that was not necessarily wanting to get up every Sunday and go to church and preach. He had rebellion in his church because that what they were doing, they were torturing these Christians. And many Christians come out from places that they were serving under cult, cultic practices and things. And basically what they were doing was they were bringing these Christians forward and saying, okay, if you don't do this, then we're going to kill you or we'll kill your wife or kill your family. And you might say, well, every Christian ought to just say, yeah, I'm just going to die. That's a really good judgmental way to look at it. In my opinion, until you sit there in that spot, you may not know what you may say or do. And I'm not telling you that you should say the wrong thing. I'm not telling you that. Everybody's on different levels of maturity. That's where I'm at on that. There's some Christians that if they take that, that, that wrong route, they're going to pay for it consequences eternally. But there's some Christians that may be so immature that that decision did not decide their eternity. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's just my opinion on it. I won't say that's thus saith the Lord of King James Version or any other version. That's Mike's version of what I believe that sometimes you're held accountable to. <clears throat> but anyway, here is Timothy walking into the church, and he is dealing with people that are beginning to... Because what, what happens when circumstances go, go south? Just everything goes to the pits, man. You know what happens? Your doctrine is starting to be challenged. Okay. Now you're looking at it and you're saying, why did God do? Why did God allow? And all of a sudden, it's all about what happens in the realm of what God is doing or not doing. And many of these Christians right here were in that line of fire of thought process and couldn't determine where their doctrine was. Their grounding had been shaken. And I understand how your grounding can be shaken. You can be so committed to something, and then an event take place, and suddenly your feet move a little bit. You understand what I'm saying? Your feet can move a lot. And it's your decisions that take you back to the place of grounding. So that's what happened here. Timothy was getting an, an admonishing by, by Paul, letting him know, hey, dude, you're a military guy. Military people learn something. They learn how not to give up. How not to give up. So in some of the training that you do in military, one of the things they do will put you through torture. It's part of special forces training. Now, that's not an Americanized political statement. Nobody wants you to talk too much about that. But the reason why they do that is because when you get there, you would have already been there. You follow me? Because if you've never gotten there, you don't know what you'll crack under. But they'll simulate it to the point that it'll make you aware of the fact these are real things that can happen to me, and now I've got to pull down and get my grit together. Because sometimes you making it doesn't necessarily, hear what I'm saying, there's an emphasis here, it doesn't necessarily depend on God as much as it does you. You must decide on whether or not you're going to stay in the game. You have to decide. That's not an easy decision. 
And if you're messed up on where your doctrine comes from, suddenly you're going to find yourself pulling doctrine from places that are up and down, up and down, up and down. I've learned one thing in this life right here in dealing with some of the stuff I've dealt with. My doctrine comes from his word, what I know, not what somebody else tells me. My doctrine comes from what I experience in him, not what someone else teaches me. I may not have it all together. I may not be as mature as some other people. But I will tell you this about myself. I have learned one thing. What I know, I'm going to stand on. If I make a mess of it, it's because I'm trying. But I'm going to stand where I'm at. I may not understand it all, but where I know, I'm going to stand on. And you have to come to a place that you suddenly begin to realize, this is my place. This is not waiting on God to do or to not do. It is not even relevant. God has already revealed His truth to me. And I'm going to stand in the truth that I know. One of the truths that you'll get to know really good if you, if you experience it is that God is good all the time. It has to be a truth to you. If your good all the time includes your blessings and your bad places, and you can't see that a bad place is somehow or another reflective of who God is, you're going to lose it. Because let me just tell you, regardless of where you're at, it did not change God. My bad place does not reflect on who He is. My good place does not even reflect on who He is. Because no matter how good of a place you're in, He is far greater than that. You've only experienced a little bit of God. You haven't experienced much of Him. So your good place does not dictate who He is. Your bad place, no matter how bad it is, somebody else has probably went through something worse. You know, I know that's, that's hard stuff when you're in bad places. He said, preach the word. He said, do it in season and out of season. What was he saying? He says, hey, Timothy, he says, it's not going to feel good when you get up on Sunday. And you know, people may come to your church and they may do some things that are going to be really bad. He had people getting slaughtered. Now, we don't deal with much of that in America. There's other parts of the countries that do, other countries that do deal with that. But in our own world, there are places that we deal with that are kind of similar in principle. The same principle is to stand as a military man would. I mean, I, I'll tell you something that I've learned just in watching uh, people train in, in martial arts. And when you train in um, certain, if you train in any kind of art, one of the things you learn is how to keep you calm. It's like when somebody gets, you know how people get right before they want to fight? You know, they're all emotional. Well, if you've been trained, you're not. Why are you not? Because you've already been there. You've already been there. You've been there in training. So it's important to learn from the place that you're in. Take the place that you're in and learn from it. You know, when I called him up on that day, on that, and he was 25, 30 feet up in the air, I didn't know what he was doing on the end of the phone. I just had something in my heart, man. I just let it go. Just brrr, and It was just gone. Like that. And then I got off the phone. 
But what I found out was, you know, I couldn't have done that the first time or before the first time I went through it. I couldn't have done that. But after I went through it a couple of times, I was like that traffic, that pothole was there, and I was doing this right here. And I was like, you know, my message to him was real simple. This thing is where it's at. You're not there to change it. You're not there to change it. You're there to administrate what someone else has already decided. Be at peace with it. Be free with, your, with who you are in this, this spot. Yeah, I get it. You can look at doctrine and you can say, well, it's supposed to be this way. It's supposed to be that way. Healing has been provided for. All of that right there is relevant until you get down to the place that someone else has already made the decisions and you need to just be there to fulfill your role in what they're doing. I don't even know why I went there, but I did want to go there for a moment, okay? And we're not going to take too long. I'm not going to, not going to keep you. As I said before, 12 o'clock is not a magic number, okay? I know it is for most churches, so I've already proven to you I can let you out early, okay? And I can let you out late. I've done that a few times, and I'll try my best not to do that one. But what I can say is just right here, 12 o'clock is not a magic number. And uh, it's not a magic number if you don't get to it, and it's, a ma it's not a magic number if you go past it. Come on, don't preach me down, because I'm preaching good right now. If you go past it and the Holy Ghost is in it, guess what? You won't care how much past we go. Come on, you know? So that's not my intention to say to you that I'm going to go past it. I'm not doing that at all. I know I've already preached about 24 minutes, and I'm going to wind this thing up in just a few minutes, okay? Does that help everybody? Now you, you bellies and get calmed down, and we'll see where we're at. Let's go to 2 Timothy, and we're going to look at chapter 1, and we're going to look at verse 6. And here, Paul is here telling Timothy, and I'm going to read from the New King James Version. So King James Version, I'll read it from that. <clears throat> it says, in King James Version, it says, Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance, that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. New King James Version says this, Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. There's something there that I want us to look at. First of all, we all know what stir up means. It means to kindle afresh. How many of you have ever messed with wood stove or fire or anything like that on the outside? Or you started a fire and, the, and it goes down and you see the, the red embers there. Okay, so he's talking about don't take the red ember out of the fire, pull it over here to the side and expect that to, to stay. It won't. He says, it's your job as someone who receives the gifts of God, it's your, God, your job to stir them up, to keep the flame moving. <clears throat> so what do you do when a fire goes down? You put some more wood on it. You stoke the fire a little bit. And as time goes on, when that red ember hits that wood, it'll start burning again. <clears throat> I want to show you something in this verse that's very interesting. He said, to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. I think the King James says, by the putting on of my hands. Now, when you look at the word by, it is not the same as with. In other words, he said, the gift of God is not in you with something that I've done. It is by something that I've done. <clears throat> I'll show you that in a minute. So what is he saying? The transferring of the gift of God into his life came through Paul's hands. 
Now, in the early church, they practiced laying on of hands on a regular basis. Today's church, we've almost gotten so far away from it, we're, we're almost like it's a strange thing to see that. In Paul's day, it was so common that he had to give out a little bit of an, an admonishing and say, hey, don't lay on hand, hands on people suddenly. What was he talking about? Well, you need to respect this principle and not do it all the time as if to say it's flippant. But the thing I want us to show is just right here, this gift of God that he's talking about here is a word charisma. He used it in relation to the gifts. And most scholars believe when he's talking about this right here, you can find it in different scholar uh, uh, commentaries. Most of them believe that he's talking about the gifts of the Spirit because of the context. Some people will tell you he's talking about the gift of teaching, but really it doesn't make any difference which one he's talking about. <clears throat> he said, it came through the laying on of my hands. Okay, that's important because we're going to look at another scripture. Look at 1 Timothy 4.14. And we're going to look at it in the King James Version. I'll read it to you there. It says, 1 Timothy 4.14, Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which is given thee by prophecy, with the laying on the hands of the presbytery. The New King James says, Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on the hands of the eldership. Now, let me show you the difference here. In that first verse that we looked at, that gift came from the laying on of hands. It didn't mention prophecy. This next verse that we're looking at, he says, It was given to you by prophecy. With the laying on of hands of the eldership. How did the gift come? By prophecy. How did the gift come in the other verse? By the laying on of hands. I don't know if you've ever seen that or not. But the gifts of the Holy Spirit, when you have people that are, are, that are moving in the gifts, you'll find yourself, sometimes when you're in those services, God will just gift you with something because someone laid hands on you. Now, does it come from the Holy Spirit? And I know in 1 Corinthians it talks about the Holy Spirit, you know, being the one that's the giver of the gifts and everything. And that's good. But he did it through a method. This method was by prophecy. There was something that was prophesied to Timothy. And when it was spoken, he received something from the Holy Ghost. And then there was a moment in time in which Paul laid his hands on him. And it, it seems to be there was nothing prophesied, but he received something from the Holy Ghost. Why am I preaching that? Why am I even going to that? It is my desire to see the church get back infused with the understanding of what it is to walk in the gifts of the Spirit. For too long, we've been in services where the only thing that happens is you come in and you sit down and you hear a good sermon, one, two, and three notes three points, and then we get up and we leave, and we never see anything happen. If it's too long, people go into family situations, and, and God is, is, is stirring them inside, and they never even walk into the gifts of the Spirit, and they could. What's happened? Many churches that are, quote, Spirit-filled, you could walk in them today, and there's no sign of anything that would resemble what the first church looked like. I think it's a shame. It's a shame. 
I mean, you think about that. You walk into churches that are supposed to be spirit-filled, and no one is doing anything that even resembles a spirit-filled church. No one. All right. Don't preach me down because I'm preaching good. It's okay. We'll, we'll make it through it. This is one of them spots you didn't know was coming. We'll get through it. Just give me just a few minutes. In 1 Timothy 1 and verse 18, I want to look at that. In 1 Timothy 1, chapter 1, verse 18, it says, This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that you by them you may wage the good warfare. Now, he said, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you. Now, let me just say this. I know all about the teaching about getting a word. Okay? I went through that era where everybody was presenting you with a word. And suddenly it was God and nobody had any kind of filter. And then suddenly, all of a sudden, everybody said, God said. Nobody said, I got something in my heart I want you to judge. Everybody said, God said. You understand what I'm saying? Okay, I'm not in that field. I'm not in that one, okay? Nor am I in this place that every time somebody speaks, we just throw it out the door because we think that, oh, well, there's just, you know, there's nothing to that. I'm not in that field either. I'm somewhere in the middle of the road. Okay, and that's where I want to be. So when someone comes up to me and says to me, I have something I want to share with you, I'm going to be open enough to listen to it, wise enough to judge it, Polite enough not to hurt them to the point that I completely shut them down. But also polite enough that if it don't go good, I can talk to them. But maybe I spend some time in prayer before I do that. Are you with me? Is anybody with me right now? Because, because sometimes you've got to use a little bit of wisdom. All right? I get it. People get it wrong. I've gotten it wrong. I've been in that spot, okay? And because every time God speaks to you, he doesn't carry you through a vision. He doesn't carry you through bumps. He doesn't carry you through all this stuff. Sometimes it just won't quit, okay? And then sometimes you just kind of get a little bit anxious and you're ready to deliver something and you probably shouldn't have delivered anything. Why am I talking about that? Because I think it's, it's, it's something we need as a church to understand. There's, there's two sides of the road here. There's the road where everybody speaks and it's God said. And there's the road over here where nobody speaks and they trash everything that anybody says. I don't want to be in neither one of those. I don't. I had a gentleman that spoke a word to me before I went to South America. On a Friday afternoon. He called me up. He said, God told me something. He said, I need to share it with you. He wouldn't allow me to share it with you until now. I was about to leave just a day or so later. He said, God told me that this trip would completely reconstruct who you are. I just took and put it down. I said, okay, God, I'm, I'm expecting that. I felt like that's what was going to happen. I said, you just confirmed what I've been feeling in my heart. I went on that trip, and I'm telling you right now, it completely took me down to nothing. And suddenly I realized, this ain't about me. This is not about what I'm doing. 
This is not about anything. This is about God. You see, I can pray for people, see people healed, see people get gifts, but none of that is about me. And you need to learn how to be able to be okay with that. Because the gifting that you have to operate in, whatever it is that God has given you to operate in, didn't come from you. It come from the Holy Spirit. He may be using you as the vehicle. But that's what you are, is the vehicle. I mean, how many of you on a hot summer day, if you get out there and you turn on the water and the, the water hose, and you take that water hose out there, how many of you, I'm, I'm raised in the country, okay? I drink water out of a water hose. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And that water's coming up from that well, and it gets that water hose good and, good and cold, man, and I mean, that water comes to you. You know what? When I drink that water, I don't look at that water hose and say, oh my God, you've done such a good job. That water hose was just a transportation method. That's all it was. The pipe that come from the well up to you. It was the water that was good. I mean, come on. We got to get it to the place where we understand, yes, God's going to use some of us, but it's, we're just transportation methods. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Come on. All right. I thought it was interesting here that he said, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that you buy what? Them. What? The prophecies. You may wage the good warfare. By what? The prophecies. So what had happened here? We're word people. So what does everybody teach you? Take the word of God. This is what you do. But you know what? When the prophecy you've been given is from the word of the, the, the Father's mouth, you can take that prophecy and wage a good warfare on it. I've had things spoken into me before, and I knew when it was spoken. I knew when it was spoken that the Holy Ghost had just spoken. Let me tell you something right now. When, when God begins to speak in someone's life, those things that he's speaking will stick. It'll stay. It has staying power. It's it just something about it, you know. I had someone not long ago, they shared something with me, and we were talking, and this person shared something that they saw. And I was in a really bad spot in the last month or so. But this individual shared a, a vision that they had. They said, this is what I see. And they started sharing with me. You know what? When I walked away from that conversation, I forgot everything else they were saying. But what they said to me in that vision, I caught it. It was from the Lord. Every single time I went through a bad spot in the last 30 to 50, 40 to 50 days since that time, that vision hits me right in the head. Because I can wage my warfare on what they spoke because what they spoke was the Holy Ghost. Now, i got to cover this area and then we're going to get out of here, okay? Because this is the thing. There is not enough grace in the house of God for people that are moving in the gifts. Let me explain that. <clears throat> I'm just getting my glasses, nothing. Okay. So there's not enough grace in the house of God for someone moving in the gifts. Does that mean that you let everything go? No. <clears throat> but something that hit me not long ago, some, some time back, how many of you know we call people, we get people to come up and, you know, they get prayed for for healing, Right? And then when they come up here, let's be honest. Does 100% get healed? Is 100% healed according to the word? Yeah. 
100% is healed according to the word. But 100% doesn't get healed. Let me ask you a question. Did that make that person that was praying somebody false? No. You know why? Because we've learned there's some grace involved and there's also decisions, personal decisions involved that make a lot of difference in the outcomes. And there's also people that maybe they don't have that anointing. And if they don't have that anointing, you know what happens? It falls on you in your faith category. Because if you get up under anointing to bring healing to somebody, let me just tell you something right now. Healing happens. When that manifestation of God comes into the room, healing happens. When, when the manifestation of God came in the room and the Bible says and they were all healed, that was just a God thing, okay? But the same thing is not true when we get someone up here and maybe they're speaking or something and they made a bloop. Or they go a little bit further than what they should. All of a sudden there's no grace in the house for that person to learn. Don't look at me like this. Don't judge it the same. Don't, don't look at it and say, well, no, 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 no. Let me just tell you something right now. Okay? I know where God uses me. And in many cases, it's the utterance gifts. I know that he uses me in the word of knowledge, sometimes the word of wisdom. And I can tell you, when you're standing up here, sometimes your feet and your knees are talking to one another. There's a conversation going on right down here. Now, some of you can't see it because everything looks like it's okay. You think, man, he's got this thing together. But there's probably not a person that's ever been used that speaks a word that when they first got used that their knees won't talk to one another. And the conversation was not the same one that was coming out of your mouth. And that's how you learn. But you've got to have grace in the hearts of those that are around. So when you go to schools and you go to schools like Bethel, okay, everybody know Bethel? They got a school out there, and they, they, they work with people, showing you how to, how to move into the gifts. And some of the things that they do, we wouldn't find too attractive, okay? We wouldn't. Because somehow or another, we think, we think that when someone stands up here, that suddenly it's all, they should all have it together, and everything should just be perfect. Well, look at Corinthians and see what he said. Do you know the reason why come Paul wrote so much on the correction of the gifts? It's because they needed it. But he also made this statement concerning the Corinthian church. He said, you don't fall behind in no gift. But they needed correction. What am I saying to you? Let's come to a place where we can have grace in our hearts. Because there's going to be a place in time where this body starts flowing in the gifts of the Spirit in a way that you probably have not seen in a very long time. When new people start coming in and suddenly you're sitting there and you feel like you need to go pray for that person, it don't have to be God said. One of the things that I, that I did one time, and I want to tell this personal testimony right here, and I'm not going to share anything other than just, I, I ministered to someone one time, and one of the things, and I've shared this before, one of the things, I've done this several times, one of the things I did was, instead of starting out as God said, I said, these are my thoughts. Now, why did I do that? I heard Kenneth Hagin say this one time on a tape. That's been a long time ago. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I just dated that statement. That's been a long time ago. It was a cassette tape. I heard him say something one time. He was talking about a gentleman that heard from the Lord, and he told, he told him, he said, these are my thoughts. 
And he made a good point. He said, you can leave the building with your thoughts. He said, but the moment you said God said, you might not leave the building the same. Now, am I saying it's wrong to say God said? No, I'm not. But do you know everything doesn't have to be classified as God said? It can just be saying, I feel this right here. I feel this right here. I got something on the inside. That helps the other person to come into the group there. And then now we can both sit down and judge it. And guess what? I don't feel quite so bad if someone says, I don't know about this right here. I said, okay. I just had it in my heart. And I'm okay. I'm, I'm good. But I tell you, man. Now, I'm going to say, you, you're probably going to walk away and you're going to think, well, I can never say God said. No, that's not it. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying to you is grace has understanding on both sides of the fence. There will come points in time when it will come so much on you that you will walk into a place and it is thus saith the Lord. I've been in that spot and that's one of them really high inspirational moments and I can't get away from it kind of thing. And then there's other moments whenever I just kind of keep on getting something. And I just keep on getting it, and I keep on getting it, and I keep on getting it. And then I just decide I need to share this right here with this individual. Okay? So does that make sense to you? And when you study out, you find out that there was, there was different ways that God moved on people in the Old Testament. One of them was it would be as rain and dew falling down on the earth. It was, it was identified as just being something that would just drip down. Sometimes whenever you're getting a word from God... You're just kind of getting it in small pieces. There's other times when you're in, the, you're in the presence of the Lord and God just opens up everything. And it's like it just... Shoo. Now, when I was at my daughter's um, passing at her funeral, I can tell you God said. When I was preaching, that was God said. It was like somebody just literally opened me up and it just ran out of me. That was God said. I'll never back away from that. I know what I experienced. That was a God said moment. But it's not always as a God said. So going back to the scripture that says, be instant in season and out of season. The out of season is, is when you don't have all them revelations and you don't have all these things going on that are manifestations. And, and by the way, I want God to speak to me that way 100% of the time. I just can't tell him what he's doing. He somehow or another has control over that part of it. And all I can do is walk in the part that he gives me. But I'm going to walk in everything that he gives me regardless of where it's at on the scale of I had a vision or I didn't have a vision. I had some bumps or I didn't have the bumps or I had an inspirational moment or I didn't have an inspirational moment. The, the moment I got the phone call, that was my inspiration. That just was. It was my inspiration. I didn't come in here with a bunch of notes. I just sat in here and I just said, okay, God. I didn't know this was going to happen, but you did. Now I'm going to walk in this place, and I'm going to believe that I'm going to be standing there equipped for the very job that walked into my life. That's not easy if you haven't done it a few times. Okay? It may look like it's easy, but it's not. I'll give you one more example, and I'm going to close, okay? I worked with my dad for 20 years sitting in the tax office. He sat in one office, and I sat in another one. We worked side by side, side by side. I knew everything that was going on. I knew who his clients were. I knew everything that was going on. 
One day, he woke up one morning, he had had a stroke, and suddenly he wasn't sitting in that office. The weight of that thing hit me. Now I was sitting in both offices, and I realized after 20 years, I didn't know nothing. The weight of everything that was going on suddenly was in my ballpark. And it took a while. I'm not going to tell you no lie. It shook me. My feet moved. And then one day I was just sitting there, and the Holy Spirit made me aware of this one concept. He said, I made you for this. I put into you what it takes to walk in this moment. You didn't know it was coming. That doesn't make any difference. It's not relative. I made you for where you're at right now. I molded you, put into you what it takes to be there. And it doesn't make any difference what the stress level is like. It doesn't make any difference. God knew where you would be in life and he put the qualities in you, and it's kind of like going through boot camp. You thought there was limits until somebody pushed you past the limit, and they didn't really, they didn't really uh, do it politely. They just shoved you into it. You thought you couldn't stand pain until somebody put you through the torture chamber, and you had a mask or didn't have a mask on, and you're looking at the guy that had a mask on, and he's sitting there looking at you, and you're taking the tear gas. You thought you had a limit that you couldn't stand that. You found out there can be a whole lot of stuff that happens and you can still walk through it. What am I saying to you? As it is in the natural, so it is in the spirit. Some of you have ended up in spots that you never thought would ever be there. But you've been made with the qualities of which you need to be in the place you're in. Don't doubt that. Because if you do, your feet's going to start moving and suddenly you're going to get your doctrine from your circumstances. And that's the biggest mistake that you will ever make you got to plant your feet. And that's what this, this scripture right here says. It says to be in season and out of season. What is he talking about? It says to stand upon. It's a choice that you make in spiritual warfare. Quit getting your doctrine from whatever's happening to you as, as if that somehow or another this is God. And this is not God. Get your doctrine from the word of God and your experience in him. And, and the word of God is what you know. You may not know it all, but you, you're capable of learning. You may not know how to do everything, but you're capable of learning. Y'all can stand with me. I'm going to finish up right now. You're capable of learning no matter where you're at, no matter what you go through. I don't know when you leave this building what life may bring you. What I do know is that whatever life brings you, he has equipped you with the very things that it takes to walk in that place. may not be comfortable places, but he's, he's equipped you, okay? I'm going to just pray, and I'm going to let you go a few minutes early, okay? Father, we thank you, Lord, for the anointing of the Holy Ghost. I thank you, Lord, that you presented us here on this earth with your capabilities, your abilities. And, Father, we yield ourselves to the things that you have inside of us. Even though, God, we don't even know what it is that we have, Lord, we're open for the Holy Spirit to teach us and to guide us and to reveal to us that there's no limits as to where we can go. I thank you, Lord, for the ears of the hearers being anointed to hear and understand the revelation of the Holy Spirit. And I thank you, Lord, that there's error, God. I pray, God, that that error would not reach them. I pray, God, for the Holy Spirit to shield, Lord, anyone's mind, Lord, that will be taking a truth too far. I thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit being the revelator and to being the comforter and being our guide. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.